as I sit here on my narrow cot and write out the events that happened to me, I need to be clear that the reason for this is that I do not want others following in my footsteps. There's a point at which every person needs to back off from their line of inquiry. Every scientist should know where that line is, or else, like me, instead of mastering their pursuits, they will become the slaves. When I first started in engineering school at Arkham University, I was very excited. There was an entire club just for women engineers. However, most of our classes were filled with men, which was fine. It was great to meet different minds and have different abilities to discuss and lines of inquiry to delve into. It was very, very refreshing. As I got into my graduate program, I had an amazing professor who was very helpful in helping me figure out exactly the line that I wanted to go into. Professor Johnson, I've been working, you know, my background is in robotics, and I've been working quite a bit in, in this one direction of making them more organic. What, what are your thoughts on this? Oh, well, cyborgs are the stuff of science fiction. We don't really deal with human-robotic interfaces here. We're more interested in the pure mechanical aspects of the science. Yes, but, but what, if, what if it wasn't human? What if there was some other element that we could bring into it to create the mechanics that life has already. I'm going to stop you right there. Every semester we have someone in here who turns in a robotic dog as a final project, and I'm sick of seeing them. I know that's where you're going. Look, just do the assigned work, and you'll get an A in the class. You're a very bright young lady, and I have faith in your abilities. Thank you, Mr. Johnson. I appreciate it. Of course I was not deterred. Several of my colleagues were also interested in the same question. Not of trying to make human robots, but of taking elements of life. There was a very good friend of mine in the biology program who was also working in the same direction. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Sarah. What we're trying to do with robotics is imitate human life anyway, so why don't we just take life and use it to create something quote-unquote robotic, right? I mean, you remember, uh, you know, like replicants from Blade Runner. Exactly, exactly. Then we could have, we could have an amazing amalgam of, of robots that were under our control but able to do things that no human could actually do. And that's the direction we're headed in anyway. Humans and machines are going to unify at some point. You know, well, I don't know if I'm supposed to tell you about this, but there's a lot of really interesting work going on with this at the biology lab. We're, we're trying to create human computer interfaces that aren't like keyboards or aren't physical. You should come check it out. So I did. Strangely, their meetings were held very late at night, but I had no problem with that. As I was crossing the campus, I noticed that there were fewer people than normal. I came up to the building, and a large, burly man stopped me before I could go in. Hey, name? I haven't seen you around. Uh, yeah, my name is Sarah Parker. I'm here for the biology meeting. A biology meeting? I don't know what you're talking about. I was invited to a meeting. By who, who invited you? My good friend George invited me to a meeting here in the biology lab. Uh, stand right there. I'll be right back. This is highly irregular. As I stood there shivering in the cold, I heard strange noises coming from inside the biology building. Uh, I don't care if you did invite her. Enough people know already. Oh, come on. She's, she's, she's going to be a great resource for us. Great resource how? She's smart. She's brilliant. Uh, fine. But if anything goes wrong, it's on your head. Fine, I'll take full responsibility. Sarah, come on. 
Thank you, George. Uh, thank you, sir. Don't mind Rudolph. He's just trying to do his job. Come on, they're starting. No, I'm, I'm super excited. I didn't realize that it was this private. You'll see. There are reasons why it needs to be very private. I can't help but admit that I was excited. The fact that this was secret made me more excited. For anything that was out in the public was something that had already been seen. However, something that was secret, that was private, that only a few people knew about, that was something that maybe I could make my mark on. Okay, Sarah, so I've got I've to warn you that... Um, this is some pretty weird stuff. It's some pretty. It's on the edge, and uh, it's not only there's biology, there's uh, there's robotics, but there's also mysticism, maybe a little uh, philosophy, a little um. Uh, well, you're just gonna have to see. Come on. As I walked down the hall of the biology building, George turned to a staircase that descended down, which was strange, for I didn't realize that there was a basement to the biology building. Uh, we descended into the darkness, and I thought to myself, mysticism. Is there a place for mysticism and science? But then, mysticism was the original science, so maybe there was some validity in bringing it back again. We descended into a very large room filled with students and professors, but it was dark. There were candlelights. There were strange statues. It felt more like, well, it felt more like a coven than a graduate student meeting. Come on, sit over here. Let's just sit down. They're starting. They're starting. George, is this the new candidate? Uh, yes, uh, this is this is Sarah. Sarah, it'll only take a moment, and you won't feel a thing. It's just a pinprick. Ah, and as he said that, before I had a chance to even argue or give my consent, he stuck a needle in my arm and plunged some sort of gelatinous material into my arm. With that and a small sample of your blood, we'll be done. Just hold on. And then he pricked the inside of my elbow on my other arm and took the blood sample from there. I was amazed. Nobody had ever done this before, just taken my blood without asking. This was, this was horrifying to me, but I could also see that this was a very special group of people. Oh, you're new here, right? It always hurts when he does that. He's not good with a needle. What is this? What, is he, what did he put in my veins? Well, uh, he'll explain it all, but as far as I understand... He's been analyzing radio signals that were picked up all over the world, and he found a pattern, and he ran them through a Henkel DNA assembler, and it was a functioning helix. It's, it's groundbreaking work. He tests it on all of us to see if there is a match, something will happen. It's a little edgy, but I like it. Uh, I guess I understand. I mean, I just wish that somebody had said something about it first. As we settled into the meeting, I listened. A lot of things that were talked about were very exciting, absolutely brand new, cutting-edge technology that I'd never heard before. However, there were other things that, that set my hair on edge a little bit. On Earth from Sumeria, and if you see the markings here and align it with the DNA strand that the professor is kind enough to have shared with us, you can see certain, uh, I wouldn't say matches, but... Uh, similarities, a disturbing amount of resonance between the most ancient and the most current of discoveries. You see, Sarah, these, uh, this DNA strand has appeared all over the world at different times, and, it, we, and it's in this radio signal now, so we're not sure what it is, but there's pieces of it in human beings as well. That's amazing, I but know. it would be in all sorts of different places. This was a fascinating topic, and delved directly into my work, a brand new type of DNA strand that might work well with some of my electronics and robotics. I went back week after week and heard a variety of fascinating lectures. 
unspecified cells have the opportunity to grow into whatever we want them to grow. Whole new organs, whole new capabilities of the human body. The structures in this crystalline form is clearly a model of our solar system. There are many, many others, however, and we have identified several star systems. To have artificial intelligence evolve on its own is create these minor, small thinking machines and then set them in situations that allow the electronic format here. The brain chemistry, as it goes into the stem, works perfectly with all of the formidable. We have an application for the nanotechnology uh, for medical science and for uh, emergency medical services just as soon as we can iron out the, the one kink, which is that the nanobots are constantly changing. As I delve further into this research, this fascinating research that was being presented to me, well, my studies during the day began to slip a little bit, and my professor began to notice. Ms. Parker. Ms. Parker. Oh, yes, Mr. Johnson. I'm so sorry. You've drifted off again. If you could, uh, could you tell us, please, how this diagram, as I'm showing on the board, will reroute power uh, from a neural processor to a motor array? The strange thing was that even though I was falling asleep in class, the answer came to me with no effort whatsoever. You see, the neurotransmitters are long enough that the electrons between them stretch from one portion of the machine into another, and then they're able to communicate from one system to the other system. That is correct. You got lucky, Ms. Parker. I don't want to see you nodding off in class again. I'll drink more coffee. It was about a month later, as the spring was coming on and all the flowers were blooming, that after one of the lectures, George and I stayed. He said that he had an interesting place to show me, a laboratory that I'd never even dreamed was possible underneath the campus. There's, there's a secret lab where many of these lecturers that you've heard have been working. I wanted to show it to you. Um, I'm doing some work there myself. Um, come on, it's down in the steam tunnels. There were rumors, as there are in every college, that the steam tunnels held different things underneath them. Some people, of course, said animals from the zoo or from the research facilities. Other people said nuclear physics were going on there. Some even thought that there was a Hadrian Collider. All of those were obviously patently ridiculous. What was down there was more terrifying than anything you could imagine. Terrifying, but also exhilarating. There were many, many scientific experiments going on that were well beyond the bounds of our current ethics. There were humans being used in experimentation. There were mixtures of free radicals that, when combined together, introduced into the system things that could dangerously destabilize current electron particles. George. Yeah? She isn't cleared for this. You've once again overstepped your bounds. Rudolph, she's... We need her. She's brilliant. And you know what they said about her DNA. (sighs) True enough. Miss Parker? Yes, sir. It's time you knew what was going on. Yes, sir. I would would love to. You can trust me, I promise. I have no choice in the matter. And if we can't trust you, measures will be taken. Of course. Now, this strand that has appeared throughout all time and space here on this earth, many of us have come to believe over the past decade, that it is not our mission to find it, but to create it. And every bit of DNA we collect contains some portion of it, and yours more so than most. Mine? Yes. That's right. We think that your DNA actually completes this DNA for this entirely new creature. And once we have that, 
we can create this new creature. And not to get technical, but what they're saying is it's the actual strain from 48 down to 97, which we haven't been able to find anywhere else. Uh, pieces of it, but nothing this complete. So all we need to do is to activate the DNA strand that is already in your body, and we will see its full effect on you. They were surrounding me, all looking at me as if I was some interesting piece of human experiment. I came here not to be experimented on, but could I stand in the way of science? All right, all right. We weren't asking your permission. (laughs) George, hand me the inhibitor. Here you go. They stuck something into my arm which created an immediate paralyzation. I could not move. I did not want to move. I felt a languidness come over me, and I only wanted to follow other people's orders. I felt them moving around me, and I could hear everything that they said. They were planning on taking me and turning me into this new creature. Well, look look at how fast the changes occur. It's almost like you can watch it with the bare eye. Yes. Ordinarily, in the case of DNA injection, the body attempts to reject, but... I see no signs of infection, merely as if the body has been waiting for this moment. And it felt that way. It felt as if my body had been waiting for this its entire life. It felt as if there was a potential in me that had never been reached before and suddenly was bursting forth. Oh my god, look at her! What is that? This is skin. Oh my gosh. She's, she's growing. What, what are those parts coming off her? The eyes, the eyes, oh. just like in the drawing. Oh Quick, gosh. seal the laboratory. Let's get out of here. Run! They sealed the laboratory, and I, in my new state, woke from my languidness and began to beat against the walls. I began to try to get out of the room that they had locked me in, and I did. I found the steam tunnels so rife with that urban legend. I realized that my body now had no bones, but could go into small places and large places. I was viscous. I can still feel her in the back of my brain. I can't move. I can't move my arms. What can we do? How can we... We've got got an antidote. How can we get it to her? And as I was in this state, I realized that I was no longer... No longer was I Sarah Parker. I had become something new, something bigger. I had taken over. There was a tiny piece of me that was still Sarah Parker, way down deep inside. But the rest of me wanted merely to be the master of this place, to take over, to form it to my specifications and needs. Come to me, I said, and they came. Whatever you say, Sarah, we'll do what you say. Sarah, Sarah, it's George. You can't, you can't go through with this. You've got to come back. You've got to, you've got to be who you are. And that small piece of me saw into George's eyes, and I realized that he was right. I grabbed the antidote from Professor Manneke and shoved it into my arm. Part of me was resisting, but the other part was strong enough that I put it in, and as I plunged it deep into my arm, I could feel the changes reversing. The professors all looked grateful and yet terrified at the same time. I myself was terrified of what lurked inside of me. Sarah, it's very unfortunate, but we will have to keep you under observation, most likely for the rest of your life. You'll have a comfortable cell, but we cannot let this strand get out after what we've seen. See, the thing is, it's still there. The antidote just keeps it 
contained. You'll be yourself as long as you get this drug, but as soon as you stop, you'll return to the state you're in. I knew they spoke of gods, but I thought it was just foolish chatter. But the feeling of her in my mind was more terrifying than the visage that was presented before me. And as I sit here in my cell, writing out this narrative of what happened to me, I think to myself, what ethics brought us here? And will I ever be in a place where I'm either totally Sarah Parker or totally this other master that calls to me and wants to be released? Thank you for listening to Tales from the Black Vault. We release a new story every two weeks, and you can find them at our website at blackvault.net. This episode, The Awakened, was narrated by Jessica Arger and features Andreas Fabus, Brad Hawkins, Ryan Hill, Roy Yannick, and Paul Normandin as the cast of The Black Vault. Engineering and mixing by Lindsay McGowan, Editing by Brent Chismark, with score consulting by Michael Yu, and effects consulting by Cindy Page. Music by Nathaniel Rendon and Matt Reed for Scotch Encoda Productions. Tales from the Black Vault Season 2 theme by A Wayward. Tales from the Black Vault is produced by Peter Rogers and Lindsay McGowan for Terrible Old Productions. The Black Vault was originally directed by Mark Major at the Hideout Theater in Austin, Texas. Until next time, the vault is waiting.